Welcome everyone, I'm Lauren Hawkins. Thanks for tuning in with us to Spirituality Adventures. We are so glad you're here and we're very excited about the content we get to share with you through our blogs and podcasts. Spirituality Adventures is made possible by your support. One way you can support us is by liking, following, subscribing, or sharing any of these podcasts or blogs that you like. Another way you can support us is by going to our website, www.spiritualityadventures.com. There you can click the support tab and you can sign up for a monthly subscription or a one-time gift. We appreciate all your support. Now here's Fred. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality. And we've been talking a lot about creativity and spirituality. So I've been interviewing some local bands and and this is actually my first hip hop artist. I interviewed one jazz singer on this uh, podcast a few weeks ago. Um, uh, but this is my first hip hop performer on this podcast and it's it's i'm so excited to have darison palea here with us today darison thanks for coming thank you for having me so i was trying to think um back when we met the first time do you know how long ago that was it was some years ago some years ago was it 10 maybe probably something like that maybe maybe 10 years ago i'll say no i'll say about seven okay seven years seven but my memory, you might have, you're, you might have met me before I remembered meeting you. I don't know. I, I, yep, I met you first. Okay. But I remember a conversation we had the first time I remember having a conversation with you. Maybe that's the way to say it. Uh-huh. You had a straight out of Compton T-shirt on. Yep. And we were at Vineyard Church. Correct. We were in what what we called the East Auditorium, if I remember right. Yep. And. Uh, and I saw that T-shirt, and I I can't remember when that movie came out. Um, maybe ten years ago or something. Yeah, about that. About I'd say five years ago. Okay, about five years. Okay, but they were talking about it before then. This is kind of a big deal. Yeah, and I had I had watched the movie and really thought I, I thought it was pretty. Ac- but I asked you if I, you thought it was accurate historically. I think is what I asked you. And <laughs> I didn't do too bad. I think they captured all the elements that needed to be captured. I think they did a real good job at that because, I mean, you got to go back to that time. It's a different time, different. I mean, when you were pressing up vinyl, you know, and they had cassette tapes going on versus everything being digital now, you know, and plus you got to still make it relatable um, moving forward. And then I, I don't know. I think they did good. It was a good movie, if you ask me. And well, I remember you saying that. Yeah. I thought it was good, but I don't have the background that you had to evaluate it, right? Yeah. So, but. but it's for those who are who are going to be listening who aren't into hip hop, this was a movie that was about the group NWA. Yep. And name some of the some of the people that came out of the NWA group cuz people will probably know those names. Oh, they know Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Uh, Easy E. Uh definitely Ice Cube. MC Ren, Yellow, that's that's pretty much who NWA yeah. was. But. So some big names that came out of that group Definitely. That, that people know now all over the culture. But tell us about you, Darison. I want to hear a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you're born, where you grew up. Give us a little peek into uh, what it was like to grow up in, uh, in your home and where you're from. I was born in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, that's kind of where I got my hip-hop name, King Kihei. 
because uh, it's actually my Hawaiian name. And uh, we'll get into that story later. Okay. Um, and then uh, my dad, he's from he's from South Central, Los Angeles. Um, he's a transplant from actually a small rural town called Kokomo, Indiana. But he had moved out there in his childhood and was uh, grew up and ra- raised in that environment. But he uh, met my mom in the Navy. And then uh, eventually we ended up settling down in uh, Kansas City. And where that was another culture clash, you know, coming from a big city to Kansas City was to me it was like it wanted to be a big city, but it, it I know it wasn't L.A. I'll tell you that. But they had it was a good blend. It's like the first time I ever seen cows. <laughs> it's the first time I remember seeing hay and stuff, and I just never I would never forget getting off of that airport, man. I was like, oh man, I was like, I'm in the country. I'm I'm in the middle of nowhere, you know. And then uh, we started driving towards the city, and I was like, oh, civilization, you know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> yeah. people here, you know. I know. Because um, when you come from, I mean, millions of people, it just Hawaii's like that too. It's just so many people. It's just, yeah. and then to come to. You know, it's definitely a difference, but yeah, flying it, to an airport that feels like it's in the middle of yeah, nowhere, right? Back KCI. then, that was, you know, they didn't have yeah. all the stuff they got now, crazy. and it was, it was definitely. I was like, I don't know where. I really thought it was in the middle of nowhere. So, so make let me make sure I got this right. So mm-hmm. your your dad your dad was stationed in Hawaii mm-hmm. in the Navy. So your mother's from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Your dad was. Indiana to LA, LA to Hawaii. They met in Hawaii. Got did they get married there in Hawaii or just back and forth? Uh, back um, and forth. I actually think no, they got married in LA. LA. Yeah. And so you were born in Hawaii, but like your early childhood, like your elementary school years were Yeah, I even went there, elementary school. Um, in Hawaii. Yeah, it which was on Makalani, the main Makalani. Okay. It was awesome. The main uh, the main island? Yep, Oahu. Okay. So, so give us a little bit of how, how, what were you listening to? Uh, <laughs> what do you remember? What were you listening to growing up? Oh, man. What were your, what were the. Man, I remember, <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to be listening to them. We had some cassette tapes, NWA, mm-hmm. uh, Ice Cube, uh, Too Short, um, Bob Marley. Oh. Um, who else we really listened to? That was probably pretty much like the main. Oh, we even had what other cassette tapes? You making me go to cassette tapes, man? I got. Oh, you back. can you can jump past that if yeah. you want. But anyway, yeah, there you go. Well, we're. St- I just love to hear. That was like, who, who did you love to listen to? Who was who were some of your favorite? favorite? Man, I liked. Um, I definitely like NWA a lot. Uh. You know, um, express yourself. I ain't the one. Dope man. Boys in the hood. I mean, that's still a classic, you know. And that was, I think I had some daddy influence on that. <laughs> we listened to that. And then, uh, um, but Bob Marley, man, when you were in Hawaii, that was like the soundtrack for the whole state. Mm. That's like, cool. it didn't matter where you went. It was, like, it was, it was, I got to see the power of, of Bob Marley on the spirit of a person mm. I said because man It would just bring Everybody together It didn't Like it didn't matter What age It didn't It didn't matter Like when you put Bob Marley on Everyone just They got in his zone They just Started feeling good It was mm. a lot of Unity there You know every time They came on Right And then uh, yeah man Bob Marley was definitely Pivotal hmm. In those In those cool. early years Um, So When did you start Trying to Write 
right? Yeah. When did you high start? High school. Started high school. Okay. Um, kind of it was a hobby, you know, and um, we did this thing called uh, freestyling, you know, or battle rapping. And some people would, you know, you get in a little cipher and you guys would get together and just kind of just go off the top of the dome, as we call it. And you would just, I mean, you would just grab words out the air and just and just go and put them together right there on the spot, you know. So it's kind of an art to that. Um, but I actually started because I had some guys doing it. And I was just like, man, I could do that, you know, that type of thing. Did it happen. come easy to you? Mm, yes, but not to the level I'm at now. Because I'm, I'm probably sure my first was probably horrible. <laughs> I probably thought it was cool at the time, but it's nothing like it is now. So I've so, definitely polished the craft over the years. I'll say that. It takes practice. Yes. It takes, it's a skill. Yes. Yeah. So, and this is good for me to know because like I grew up listening, you know, prog rock and all this kind of stuff. And I could, I could sing along to the yeah. songs I was listening to and the bands I was listening to. But at some point I, I started getting into hip hop mm -hmm. and I've, I've always tried to stay like in touch with the hip hop world to always for, for a few decades now, but not, not like I'm, I was immersed in it. So I would have my favorite rap songs and I would try to like with nobody listening. Right? I'm listening. Go ahead. No, no, one. no. <laughs> I could no. Like I would try to do it at home alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I would go over and over and over trying to get it. And I, I couldn't, I just, I was terrible at it. And I'm thinking, is this like, is this because my brain, like, uh, what, I'm, what, how do you learn how I'm to say do rhythm. it? <laughs> Maybe that, like, is this a white man problem? You know, <laughs> I mean, I'll, you know, there's a few good white rappers out there. You <laughs> there know, are, but, there are. But uh, yeah, no, I was wondering though, if it's a, if it's actually a skill that that if I just kept working at it, I mean, maybe not at my age now, but if I just had kept working at it, would I have gotten better? Could I have gotten to a place where I, <laughs> I could, cause it's poetry to me that, in motion. Yes, it is. And I began to respect as I tried to do it myself. And then I broke down. I love lyrics. Okay. So I always like to listen to lyrics and I began to really respect the art form of of rapping and hip hop, and I I really saw it as as poetry in motion. That's what rap is: rhythm and poetry. Yes. So definitely. Yeah. But sometimes it gets questionable when you hear the radio <laughs> if if they're poetic or not. You know. But I, I I'm in the same way. Um, I would say when I started, I didn't view it that way. Um, I had to learn that. Actually, um, over the years, I had learned. I had a, a college professor at UMKC. Um, tell me what I was doing. I didn't know. She was like, did you know those are alliterations? I was like, what, what is I, didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? What is that? And she was like, and, and your euphemisms are great. And, and your I said, I, I don't know what you're saying. I'm just rapping. You know what I mean? She's breaking it She's down. She's breaking it down. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's tripping me out because it's like, okay, if a college professor is listening to me, but she can understand it. Then I saw, I didn't even know. You know, it was just, this is, I, you know, I thought it was cool that if I did this and this and this, mm -hmm. and then when I started getting a little more educated on the craft, I started like, like, whoa, wait a second. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, whoa. So like, then I started reading some poetry and then I started seeing the similarities or I listened to one of my favorites, you know, later on in life, like Tupac, you know, yes. when he would say, hey, you got to listen to Shakespeare. I went to go read some Shakespeare. I was like, 
I said, man, this dude is spit some bars in here, man. You know, I was like, look at that. I said, but I wouldn't have ever known if Tupac didn't say that. You know what I mean? He helped bridge that Shakespeare's gap. Shakespeare's dope. About man. poetry, you know. I'm telling you, it's, it, and there's a lot. There's a lot of poets that are that are really like the way they, you know, they play with words. That's what I do. I, I tell people like, what do you do? I'm a professional barsmith. You know, they're like, what is that exactly? You know, um, I play with words. Like Scrabble, you know, and they're like, what do you mean? I said, I can get any word and I can make you see something different with the word. That's what the yeah. lyrics can do. It's art. It's not, it's it's the ability to make you see something. Yeah. You know, that you probably didn't see before or overlooked That's, or, you know. Yeah. I'm big it's on beautiful. That. When I, you know, I went through uh, this uh three quarter life crisis went to rehab I got out and I've always been a big music lover always listen to music but um I I've been drawn more this last couple of years to poetry uh I've I've been rereading poetry I've been you know I've been listening to some you know some of the hip hop stuff that I really like that's poetic and what I found is that that the poetry has really hit me and then i you know the psalms in the bible are poems proverbs on well, proverbs and and Psalm. then you have poetry in the psalms and i went to some of the dark psalms in in the psalms of lament mm -hmm. in the in the book of psalms that that are poetic uh art forms expressing you know yep. darkness expressing struggle expressing internal strife expressing you know all these kind of things and i and i'm i'm looking at you and you do this stuff all the time right yep um i've got a few psalms like that mm -hmm. <laughs> as you could say uh-huh um definitely um so when did you when did you first start uh recording and releasing uh man music? i actually started recording um Little bit. I think I was out of high school, and, and a friend I had a his name was Esonic. You know, he's still my friend. But he would have his uh, studio equipment, and I just went in there and started. I was like, hey, how you do this? How you do this? Hey man, how you do? You know. And then he was like, oh, you just do this. And then we started dabbling with it. And then I'd keep messing with it, and eventually he'd fall asleep. And I was like, well, okay, I'll still be dabbling on it. You know. And I would, I would, I kind of was very self-taught on all of it. You know, down to the engineering uh, mix, all of that, man, because. Uh, and I actually started finding I, I um, had a passion for it. And it really wasn't just the music. It was just, I guess, learning something new, learning something that I was like, hey, I can anything I could try, I could do. And I would find out what I could do. And um, yeah, we started mixing some music. And then uh, we formed a little group back in the day called A1 Sickness. And it was actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good group. You know, we look back and we uh, we did good for not knowing what we were doing. We did pretty good, you know, because hmm. we had a good uh it's about five or six of us. We got together. We pressed them up on CDs, you know, blank CDs. And it's like ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was when CDs were still out. Mm -hmm. That was the day. It was. Uh, no, I'll say a little longer than that. Actually, um, two thousand four, five. Oh, okay, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we uh, we were selling them. And but I'll tell you that it was a it was an interesting time because we got to learn um, all the aspects of music. Mm -hmm. We thought it was just hey, you just write something down that's it no nah, there's a lot more going on than that you know but nobody like taught us you know mm -hmm. and now we look around it's kind of crazy because they'll have master classes on all these things and we didn't have 
Like we we just had to, it was trial and error university. That's that's the school mm-hmm. I graduated from right there. Mm-hmm. And um I learned a lot of stuff. But it was pretty cool because I actually learned what I could and couldn't do, like my limitations, capacity. And then we had this spiritual bond, you know, all of us as youth, you know, I guess teenagers, but we uh I mean we're still close today. Um because of that time, it was kind of like, hey, we had it. We were trying to figure out a way to to make it, figure out a way to, mm-hmm. you know, make something out of nothing. It's kind of the art of it. Yeah. So, give us give give me a little education on the hip hop community in Kansas City, because I know you're pretty. You got pretty networked and still are, I think, with yeah. with the hip hop. So over the last fifteen years, uh, man, hip hop in Kansas City. What and because if, if I understand hip hop right, mm-hmm. it's where you come from, where you presenting your art. There's always been a little bit of a hey, this this artist is from here, from here, from here. There's always been a little bit of a of a local culture that hip hop yeah. springs out of. Has yep. that been important? Important. And so tell it me a little bit about important, um, Kansas City hip hop. Kansas City hip hop, man. There's a. <laughs> you think of Kansas City hip hop and true hip because there are like subcultures. I would say it like that. You got hip hop, you got rap. You know, they're kind of all the same, but there's a different different feel to them. Like you would say, you have a heavy metal, then you got punk rock, and then you got mm-hmm. you know alternative metal. It's mm-hmm. similar to that, but hip hop, man. Uh, I'll say I remember, man, back in the day we used to have these hip hop hot wings up at a uh, the Peanut, a little local bar down there, and uh, what was that off of? Like Ninth Street, like Ninth and Broadway. Okay, and that was the man. That was the spot everybody would go through there. That was hip hop based. Mm-hmm. Um, D different Will. from rap. Yeah, it was okay. still rap. Okay. If that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. just a different. It's a style of rap. Okay, like you have mumble rap, you got trap rap, you got you know people just do dance music, you know. But it's still rap, but it's like subcultures. Of, it's all gotcha. the same pretty much. But uh, man, you would have even people. Uh, a lot of people probably heard of Sess Crew. You know, they're pretty big hip-hop. We got Sign of Strange Music. But I remember them in there. And, man, they were awesome. Hmm. You know, they're still awesome. I think they're they're awesome. Like, they're top-tier hip-hop artists, man. When you can when you can wield the words like that, we call them wordsmiths like that, man. Mm-hmm. And you're like, shh. And then the way they put them together, that's a, yeah, mm-hmm. hip-hop. Kansas City hip-hop. But here's, the, here's what I do see. I will say, um, sometimes a problem, there's a problem. It's the silo mentality. So there's a lot of silos as far as silo thinking where it, it actually prevents Kansas City from like as a whole going to like to that next level as a city in as far as that. You know, and I will say there are steps to change that now, but I've gone, I've done shows in other cities. And every time a Kansas City rapper gets on there, there's there's a difference. They just know like our caliber is like they're like, oh my goodness! I'm like, yeah, we're we're really good, hmm. but um, but the issue is like, <laughs> if we would do that here, unite, we'd be on instantly. But there, but then you got to look at the the style of like a Tech Nine, and what Tech Nine has accomplished. And if you look at it, like he's the top selling independent artist like of all time. So then I've had people ask me, okay, why would you um not go to the bigger city or whatever? I don't know. Part of it is the um. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And part of it is like, I look at it as the the iron and sharpening the iron. When you get a lot of that feedback, like, hey, are you good? Are you good? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually, help. you're either going to get better or you're not. 
Mm-hmm. And I think they asked me, I think I've gotten better because I've been in Kansas City based in here because when you go do some shows, there's not a lot of people, you know, and then they'll remember it. You, know, you do big shows and then they're like, what? Who's that? You know, mm-hmm. there's that dynamic mm-hmm. exists as far as hip hop. But and you're saying that because I've, I was blessed to be um, around people like like with Akon's camp, you know what I mean? And I got to see see it to that scale and I got to see the differences, you know, hmm. as far as like when you got a whole production team, you got a whole crew behind you and verse being self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I would say hip hop has changed too um, because now it's like independent is the way to go. Back in the day, it wasn't. You know, you had the whole label, you had all that. Mm-hmm. But now being independent is better because it's more about self-sufficiency. And um, yeah. So... Um, get, so what? Who are some of the artists that you really respect that are from In Kansas, Kansas City? City? Yeah, uh, Tech Nine, mm-hmm. uh, Rich Factor, um, Seth Crew, uh, Miss Nicole, um, JL, myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> I put that in there. Yeah, I, um, you're D here. Will, you're here because of that D Will, uh, MC Reach. You know, Highland, the Heat Mob. Okay. You know, yeah, I can name, I can name okay. a few. And you've, you've helped uh, run uh, at least one or more hip hop clubs here in Kansas city. Is that correct? Yep. I've done a, brought a few shows here. You could say, yeah. Tell um, us about on the that. Production side. I got to meet a lot of interesting people, great people, man. I've met, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, King Crooked. He's awesome. Crooked Ice and Obi Trice. They, uh, they're with Eminem's camp. Project Pat, um, Slick Rick, uh, uh, PMD, uh, Afro Man, uh, Busy Bone. Uh, man, I can go on and on. I met, I met a lot of people. Um, it's a good experience. Rakim, Rakim was probably one of the coolest people I met. I was like, because to me, you think hip hop. Rakim is like on the Mount Rushmore of hip hop. He's one of the what we call the God MCs. Hmm. Um, that was a beautiful thing. I'll never forget. Yeah. That. What What are some of the names of the clubs that you worked with here in town? Uh, Nine oh six, um, Red. Um, what is that? Uh, the Bat Cave, uh, the Blue Room, Gym uh, Theater. Um, pretty much every like every club you could think of. The problem with the clubs here, they change names a lot, uh, due to the nature of the business. You know. Roxy, um, Uptown Theater, because mm-hmm. like I've done, yeah, done brought artists, work shows all over the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, I, I go to the Blue Room a lot, usually for jazz stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, 906, is that still going? Are you guys going to be reopening 906? Yeah, probably will. Uh, we're waiting on the pandemic that kind of put mm-hmm. a damper on things mm-hmm. you know, definitely people would call me i'm like yeah i want to wait to you know because i don't want to be the guy on the news oh he did this and everybody's sick no mm-hmm. <laughs> not on my watch that's not happening because we care about the people you right know? so yeah like, all the all these venues are wrestling with that right now right there yeah like, it's a different time we, yeah because i mean we... all you gotta do is go online now you know you can or they'll do the little office you know mm-hmm. the office uh shows and stuff mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a dynamic time, man. A lot of changes are going on, and it's kind of like what works, what doesn't work, you know. So, one of the producers you've worked with in Kansas City is Smart Alec. Is that mm-hmm. 
Um, is that the right way to yep. say it? Correct. And how did you guys connect? We actually connected. Um, he was young. He was still in high school, and he was like 16. But I'll tell you, that, that kid's talent was, was unreal. I was getting instrumentals from him while I was out in L.A., and I was like, man, this kid, you know, and I'm out here in L.A. listening to producers and stuff. And and he was just I was like, man, we're going to I got to work with this guy. I was like, and then we can, uh, you know, help Kansas City out. That's how I always look at it. Like, what can we do to help Kansas City? Out? Right. What can we do to make our city, you know, get more notoriety, you know, in the right way? Mm-hmm. You know, but I've been working with him, man, ever since. And um, it's awesome watching him develop as a producer um, because like now he's like. He's got to be one of the best period in this city. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's worked with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, So I did an interview a few weeks ago with Ben went, who runs the Rhino down in North Kansas city. And then he does a, um, I'm not sure if he does podcast, my, 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 uh, Matt, I'm going to refer to Matt here for a minute. Does, does Ben do hip hop stuff on the Ope radio podcast as well? So that might be a good connection for i'm just thinking for for you and yeah, smart alec and all that but yeah we we should hook you up with that because uh ben ben does a podcast with pitch uh the pitch magazine yeah uh, sponsored good. it and so what he his whole goal is to try to um really help profile local bands in kansas city uh and give them you know, an audience, a platform, all that kind of stuff. So it's just another avenue of trying to get get the word out because I've been trying to interview local artists in Kansas City and talk about spirituality and creativity. And I've just really enjoyed it. And I found all different types of spirituality, but mm-hmm. everybody has a spiritual bent in their music, in their yep. creativity and, and all of that. And so uh, I, I've really enjoyed uh listen you know here and i've gone from punk to uh there's a band called listener that does they do what they call spoken word <laughs> so it's like it's like white guy rap you know and uh well, i just that's I, the poetry. I maybe i shouldn't say that maybe they wouldn't like that but anyway i do spoken word too but i think dan smith who uh was is the main guy there um he was he was doing rap and then he ended up switching over to this kind of like rock with spoken word. So all of his stuff cool. is yeah. rock spoken word. And it's really good stuff. I interviewed um, one of his, the guys that plays with him, John Terry. So anyway, uh, fun stuff. I, I think it'd be fun to to connect the dots on some of these things. I'll tell you, we sh- a show we did that was awesome. We had did a show at the Voodoo Lounge. Oh, um, it was Voodoo us Lounge. doing a hip-hop set in, some, in, a, in a rock band. And I'll tell you, that was probably the funnest show I that bet we ever that was. did. Because everyone was like, what? So we, like, we just kind of improvised, too, while we were up there. We had the DJ doing the turntablism. Yeah. We had the guitarist. Like, man, just just go ahead, man. Just go. And then we just, it was awesome. It's just the spirit of it, man. That's cool. All right. So let's talk just a, a bit about uh, spirituality and your music and then uh, and then I want to wind back around to a couple of things in the hip hop culture. Um, okay. But, but talk to me, what's your, what's been your spiritual journey? Where like, has it been uh, like, were you raised in a certain, uh, Man. like, like, were you raised in a church? Were you? No, what? I was okay. actually, um, 
we were raised um, in Hawaii. We have a different culture when it comes to spirituality. Um, it's funny when I watch uh, Moana, the Disney, you know, the Disney movie. They talk about Maui. Maui's a shark guy, you know, and we knew him as that. Um, when we were kids, you know, we all talked about Pele. You know, Pele would, if you messed up, Pele would come get you, you know. Mm -hmm. We're more tribal uh, with spirituality in Hawaii. I mean, we have a lot of traditions and we have a lot of respect for nature and the land and our elders and our, you know. It, our spirituality there is way different than the mainland, as I would say. Because mm -hmm. um, over there, like, um, you would learn uh, from nature. You would see certain things, you know, it's like when you look at that ocean, Man, I don't care how big you are, when you realize how big you are <laughs> when you look at that ocean. I was like, you would learn certain things from the animals or, the, you know, just the environment. And, and you know, but when you moved to the mainland, I felt it was way more, um, there's a structure, like forced uh, type of spirituality. You know, hey, you have to go in here, you have to do this, you have to stand up, you know, sit down. And, and it was different. It was definitely different for me. Uh and then I had a, you know, we had, we would go to church too, we had, you know, we would go to church. So that was an interesting dynamic to see because my parents didn't really force like church on us. Um, they kind of let us learn for ourselves, you know, figure it out. Um, but I, I definitely my spirituality, Hawaii's got a big, big imprint on my spirituality because um, I kind of see it. Is a whole whole picture type deal because I, I look at things and I'll, I'll hear people and I'm like, you know, is it, we call it Aloha spirit. Uh, what what is your intent? You know, um, what are you looking to accomplish? Like I've seen people do things, but is your intent really pure for this person? You know, do you really care about this person? I um, mean, I've seen that where it doesn't happen at times, and it'd be religious folk, you know, I would say. But then I learned that's not everyone, you know. No matter what you do, wherever you go, you're always going to have good and bad in it, I think, you know. And as far as my spirituality, man, I definitely believe in a creator, a higher power. It's got to be, you know. If you just look at, if I look at the earth, I'm like, man, you just take one element out. That's it. Like nothing, nothing exists. And I'm like, I know we got science. We're out here looking all over, you know, trying to find different planets. But I'm like, just to... You know, I don't care how much history and science you got. I'm like, just for the earth to be here, is it to me is like there's got to be some way beyond, you know, because it's just so perfectly just a little blue ball in the middle of, of of space, you know, as we call space, but nobody even knows what that is really, the dark matter, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's just too I just this is too coincidental, you know. And then I've also witnessed things in life. I would say, um, you know, with, with my faith, man. Um, I definitely believe in God. I said, because there's, there's a lot of reasons probably why I shouldn't be here, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think God is the only one that saved me multiple times, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and the first time was probably the cancer. And I had that as a baby, you know. And back then they had the technology and things they do now, you know. It probably, my, my, what I had is still, still kind of rare today, you know. But yeah. The fact I couldn't, uh, they said I wasn't going to make it, but I still made what it. What kind of cancer was that? A uh, Wilms tumor. When you were how old? I was three months. Wow. I took a, said my mother saw uh, my diaper was full of blood. That'd be a sight to see as a, mm. as a mother, mm. you know. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking the whole diaper, you know. 
And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, then they, they end up taking my kidney out. Um, yeah, that's, that was a, you had to have some faith then, you know, to for me to get through. Somebody was praying for me. I'll say that. Right. right. You know. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, I, you know, the, 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 the spirituality that you were exposed to in Hawaii yeah. is it, it, it might be similar to might be some parallels to like, say some of the native American spirituality that you would have found mm-hmm. here uh, before. Yeah, we have, we have spirit animals, right? Call them uh, Amakuas, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, same thing like this, yep. these, these shells, you know, we have a, uh, called the, the mana. And it's funny because when y'all read in the Bible, they got the bread. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it might be some something going on here, but the life force, you know, mm-hmm. just like the bread is the life force. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, and I've always been attracted to some, I, I, I read a lot of Native American spirituality as a, as a young, as a teenager, actually, and cool. was always interested in that kind of stuff. And of course, then when I started working on my theology degrees and all that kind of stuff, we started studying, I studied all religions and then I studied, um, even the ancient near Eastern religions. And of course, then that got me into, um, some of the, uh, yeah, and when I started going to Africa, I started learning about some of the tribal stuff there. And so it's always been, it's just always been really fascinating to me. Um, you at some point, like, I'm cu- like at some point you started going to church and like, hmm. how did Jesus fit into all Man. of that spirituality stuff? I went through a, a very bad time. Um, I call life, it was a catch 22. And, and it's funny because it's like, if you don't catch the ignorant youth by 22, it kind of, the trajectory of their life, you know, will be drastically <laughs> going in whatever direction they're at by that time. Because, like, I mean, you've had enough time out of high school, um, college, if you go to college or whatever route you go through. Like, to me, that is a pivotal point in, in a young man or woman's life, like, as far as figuring out the world, you know, by 22. I got a saying, I said, life's, uh, life's a catch 22. You seldom see a black live past 22, flash 22s. Now he's on the rims, flash 22, you know, the life's a cash 22, you know, because I've seen a lot of destruction, you know, by the time I was 22. And what I learned, I went through a very bad time. Um, I lost everything. I, I was homeless. Um, I uh, lost all my money, lost a lot of friends, lost. And I even had a, uh, had a girlfriend I was with. She had got killed, you know. During this, this is a bad time. You know, I went through a lot. And then um, what I learned um, during that time, because, man, I was, uh, I would say I was what they call a hothead, you know, a young hothead. I would, um, man, I was I was a rough, violent guy if I had to be, if I would have to analyze it at that time. But I, what I started learning is, like, nothing good, nothing good came from it. You know, no matter what, it was always, it would, it would get matched with some more, negativity you know what i'm saying it was just spiral negativity neg- neg- everywhere and i started had a, i started asking those serious questions you know about my life like what what there gotta be something different i gotta do something different you know what am i doing what, what am i not doing right you know or, or you know when you're sitting there you have nothing you have no money you can't eat you can't you're sleeping in park benches you know I learned a lot. something just hit me you know and i think um what i learned what i saw was that my foundation was never going to work because God wasn't in the foundation. 
anything I was doing at the time. And it kind of hit me then when I was looking up at the stars, man, I tell people, I was like, dude, I'm always going to be good. I said, why? I said, man, the stars are my roof. You know, I was like, I can, I'm okay. God provided the earth. Every shelter, I got shelter. God provided shelter. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm just looking at the world wrong. I'm looking at everything wrong, you know? So it was how I looked at the world is what helped me start learning. Like, I wasn't looking at it um, from a godly, godly way. I was looking at materialism, you know, consumerism, um, status, ego, you know, pride, you know, like, oh, what, does these things really matter? None of it really mattered, you know, when I was there. And what I learned was when I started, you know, kind of looking back at how I got there, I said, man, I didn't incorporate God in like nothing, you know, and nothing I was doing. It was, it wasn't there. So I said, you know what? Let me try that. Let me try something different. So we actually got to link up. What really helped uh, big time was uh, there was this, uh, um, I had got a plate of food and I was homeless and I was, I was kind of at my wits end. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm just a ghost in the system. I can go do whatever I know how to, <laughs> you know, um, there's, I said, it doesn't matter. I got to the breaking point. I was like, it doesn't matter. I don't even care, you know? And then um, actually this uh, girl gave me a plate of food. It was a big old white plate, had some gold trim on the, on the thing. It was uh, some white gravy on chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and green beans. I remember the plate because that's how important that was at that time. Because I mean, when you don't have no food, you're getting, you know, I said to get a full, like a full meal, Man, you know, what that did, it was crazy because, like, how I was thinking at that time before I got that plate was not good. But when I got done eating that plate, like, I had the itis. That's what we call it. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to. I'm good. Like, because it just it just brought me down from all of that. It was getting a full meal, getting actual substance, actual sustenance. And then it, like, it just kind of like, wait a second, man. You know what I mean? Like, what am I, you know, what am I doing? So I actually ended up helping uh, uh, Brandon Ellington. He does a Feed the Homeless event every year. He's our third district councilman. But uh, definitely uh, started going rocking with him because I knew what that does to a person. Hmm. That that can change. I mean, if it could change me how I was and how I was thinking, and you know, I know it could do the same for other people. Hmm. Actually, I started learning, like, man, when you give to other people, you give back to them, you know, it makes you feel good. I don't, it might sound cliche, but it's true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, it started helping me... Um, I guess part of my testimony, you know, they call it as, as what's your testimony, you know, yeah. and God working through me, man, he, uh, he definitely took, he took me from some very low places, you know, mm -hmm. and he's, he's just showering me with grace and favor and abundance, but it, it had to start with me though. It had to start with me actually just say, you know what, you know what I mean? Go ahead. And, Cause I've tried everything else mm -hmm. and it's not working. I said, well, as soon as I incorporated God, it seems to like everything just, it just it just gets bountiful. Yeah. It just it just multiplies, and I think a lot of that too is based on how we look at look at the world. Yeah, good, good. So, um, so when we met, uh, I remember. Well, for some people who might be uh, listening in uh, that were that might be from the Vineyard Church, mm -hmm. they you know they might be thinking, "Do I know this guy?" But you <laughs> you actually wrote a. A, a rap or a whatever spoken word uh, mm -hmm. deal for one of our Easter services, right? Yeah, it's doing pretty good. Yeah, and um, and perform that, which people loved it. 
and you know, we, we, it wasn't like there was a huge audience of, you know, people who listen to rap music all the time, but I had country music fans <laughs> who were saying, you know, I'm not sure. I think rap's not so bad. That's pretty good. You know, it's so funny, but, um, yeah. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, King Key. Key. King Key. So we'll go back to the jazz, uh, blue room. Um, Glenn North. Um, used to do these, uh, jazz poetry jams and I would go in there and, and do spoken word. And that's actually why I would work on my craft as a lyricist, as an artist, you know, I would go to the poetry poets. Cause I mean, you know, poetry, poets are man, <laughs> poets change the world. Cause if sometimes people, you know, you see the speeches, you see Obama talking Biden, Trump. I don't know how poetic Trump is, but he is in his own way. That's his own personal thing. But great speeches like throughout time, they're poetic. All of them, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I was like, man, because the ability of the power of words, you know. So I would go there to work on my craft. I used to go by an artist named uh, Dirty D. Um, that was kind of a street name, you know, that they gave me or whatever, because I was, I'd get down and dirty if I got to, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually used it as a different way. It meant divine intervention relayed through you daily. That's what it stood for with me. Also, it's synonymous to man comes from dirt. So it was a way for me to humble myself. I'm kind of arrogant. You know, they say mm -hmm. that, but you got to have the confidence. I said, but it was also a filter because I would tell them, yeah, that's my name. And people would, I would, they would like automatically judge me right off the bat. They wouldn't hear me. They wouldn't take the time of day or anything to hear anything I got to say just based off of my name. That was a good learning experience. Like, man, that's how people, okay, you know, on the surface, you mm -hmm. know, not everyone, but a good amount of people. Mm -hmm. But Glenn North, he said, look, man, he, he asked me like 10 times. He's like, dude, he goes, what you're saying is so awesome. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, you got to, I just, you got to change your name or something. I just can't, I can't get stuck on his name. I was like, what? I was like, but that, you know, I'm like, I got this whole point of why I'm doing it. And I was like, man, but he actually challenged me uh, to look, look deeper in myself, which was awesome. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You know, nobody really wants to do that at front. Hey, you know, you want to stop doing this? Just do this. You're like, uh, you know, it was kind of like that. But I changed my name. I started studying uh, myself and and more so, who am I? You know, I asked that question. What, what am I doing? What's what's my purpose? You know, and um, my name is uh, my middle name, Hawaiian name is Kiai Manu. And when you translate it uh, for what it's meaning is in Hawaiian, it actually means God's armor. I was like, whoa, you know that's what I mean? Like that's. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of crazy. That's good. And I put the king there uh, because actually my family is related to the monarchy. You know, Queen Lilio Kalani, the whole, the whole lineage, you know. Okay. And that's why I do that because it's like, well, it's me. This Excellent. is who I am. Excellent. Yeah, yeah so people who um, find your music on SoundCloud, you're, um, are you under King Kie? King Kie, yep. On, on, Everywhere. on Spotify. Spotify, and Tidal, Pandora, um, Apple, all that. Up, everything. And so, you, and you've got a lot of music out there. And one of the things I often get asked, cause I, cause I am, I'm always encouraging people to listen to, to hip hop and they know I like it and stuff awesome. like that. And then they'll, but then they'll go, well, what, you know, why is there so much F bombs? Why, why, why do they use the N word? Help some of my friends out Help there to understand that a little bit. I've well, heard, I've heard some rock and roll where they're cussing. I in know, there. You exactly. Know I know. Um, I would I say this definitely ain't the music for the librarian, you know, but frustration. And sometimes, I mean, in life, anybody, 
That's just the word you got to use sometimes. You know, when you're trying to get I your understand. point across, you're talking. <laughs> you're like, you know what, man? F it. You know, yeah. like, I said, that's that. Now, for the N-word. It's my anger word. Like, yeah, when I'm really, a, like, blowing up with anger. four letter. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> you, you can make combinations. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you can use this one and this one. And I've heard some different different ones. I was like, man, that's original cuss word. Like, yeah, I like that. But, but the N-word, you know, that's a very sensitive thing, even in the, in the hip-hop culture. Yeah, explain um, that real quickly. So, part of it, like, I tell people when they ask me, you know, why you say the N-word? I say, I'll tell you this. I said, the first time I heard that word, I was called it. I, I by, a, by a white guy. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. We didn't call each other that. I didn't know what it meant. But also, it's based upon your environment. Because when I went to different environments, it was a different dynamic that existed. You know, and we would call each other that. But we would call each other it in a form of endearment. Like, what's up, ma? I ain't going to say that. You know? I said, why? Because that's we were... That was the lingo. That was where we were at. That was our base. I said, but we weren't necessarily the most educated on the word. We weren't. We didn't understand Nagas. We didn't understand um, Nigeria. We didn't understand any of that. You know what I'm saying? We also didn't understand that, just you know, back in Americans' early history, you know, the slave masters would call us that. But they was actually calling us that as a mockery because Nagas and Nagas were these kings. And people don't know that history. But think about it. If you're if you're a king, but you're working on a plantation for a slave owner and they're they're making fun of you. Oh yeah, go ahead and clean my my toilet, King. You know what I mean? Which I have cleaned toilets before, you know. My name's King. But anyway, but that same type of thing, but we weren't educated enough on that dynamic to understand. So it's a it's definitely an interesting topic. In my opinion, I'm like, man. The mockery of it, it's like we got a word now, like you used to mock us that you can't say now, which is kind of ironic if, if you ask me, just on a historical context, like you can't say that word, even though we recall that, you know, on, on, on the plantations, you know, with no type of hesitation, like, oh, da, da, da. And then they got assimilated. And also when I, you know, because I play with words. Now, the same thing can go with any English word. Because I understand Anglo-Saxon. Like I understand letters. You know, some letters didn't come into existence till later on, you know. And then sometimes we get so wrapped up in the word that we, that we don't understand the meaning of words and the power of words. Because sometimes, I mean, I've heard people cuss in a lighthearted, endearing way. Mm-hmm. And I've heard them cuss in a very malicious way. Sure. Now, it's the exact same word. For example, uh, the word see. What do you see? I see water. And a Mexican guy going like this. <laughs> That's what I say when I hear C or a letter. Mm-hmm. You know, when you play with words, sometimes we get it out of context because of the meaning of it. But that's why it's such a sensitive word. I say because you have a whole group of people that understand the meaning of the word to where they understand it. You got other people that understand it to a different level. And then it's all about perception. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those, I, I'm, that's my opinion on it, but everybody's mm-hmm. got different opinions based on what they know and understand yeah. too. And I've had, I've asked this question to mm-hmm. other friends of mine who, who use the word in rap and hip hop and stuff like that. And, uh, and another one thing they pointed out is that if you, 
you know, like if you had a group of POWs, you know, prisoners of war who go through hell together. They're going to say some. And let's say their oppressors used a derogatory word toward them, but they survive it. They come out of it. Then they almost use that word as a badge of honor amongst themselves because they survived the oppressor. And then they almost flip the word and use it now. Like and but it's it's only appropriate to use if you survived it and if you live through it. Correct. Is that a good one? That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. That's another angle to that thing. All right. Well, let's. Um, man, I could talk so long with you, but uh, I would like to hear. Uh, I I would like you to c- close our time with a uh, with one of your. Uh, you want to do a spoken word? Yeah, I can. And um, let's see. And I want to encourage people to check out your work under King Kie, uh, either on SoundCloud or Spotify, Apple, all the different digital f- platforms that they can do that at. And uh, oh, we didn't get to the community garden thing too. Yeah, come on. Oh wow. Anyway, tell give us just a little clip about community gardens. I forgot. Man, to ask I'll you about tell that. you, we actually got to incorporate that um, with spirituality. Yeah. Um, because like I said, when I was homeless. I didn't have a dollar to go to McDonald's, you know, anything. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty smart, but that's when I realized how smart I really was. I was like, I can't eat. Like, how smart are you if you can't eat? You know, like this, there's like basic things in life you need. You need water. You got to breathe. You got to eat food. I got all this education and I can't eat. I was like, that's the, the smartest thing ever. You know, it's me being facetious. Now, I had uh, some gardeners that pulled me to the side, some farmers. And they're like, hey, you hungry? I was like, yeah. And they, and they took me to a field. Right there off, it was at the time, it was off of 27th Prospect. They were doing some urban farming, went over there. I was like, oh, these are these are peppers, you know, and I was helping them pick them. You know, Peter Pike picked pick, pick peppers, right? And I went over there and I was like, wait a second. You know, it started clicking. I was like, what? I'm like, we pay for, like, you know, I'm doing the math in my head. Like, I pay for this. And this dude's got like, a million peppers. Okay, it's not a million, but it, it sure felt like it at the time. And I was picking them. We had these big blue tubs. And we we're putting them in there. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? I'm like, as I'm watching how it grows. I'm like, this just grows. We ain't got to do nothing. Like, it just, I mean, if you go to the woods right now, you're going to probably might find some morel mushrooms or something. You know what I mean? You didn't, you didn't grow those. <laughs> you know, there's strawberries. There's all types of food out there, but we aren't educated enough to know it. So, I did it because um, it helped me um, actually see God. And I have a weird, I, I talk about the Garden of Eden. Like mm-hmm. I play with words. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's where I was eating. Mm-hmm. I was eating in the garden. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and, and I look at it like that because I actually, there's a lot of parables in the Bible that talk about food. You know, it's a lot. And then from my understanding, reading the Bible, when Jesus came back, what he come back as? I'm going to ask you that. Yeah, I think came back as a gardener. Well, that's the that's what that's, the lady mistook him for, right? That's what I'm in saying. That, so I'm like, wait a second, you know, he might have been working point. through through me and the food. But yeah. I've learned more. I will say I learned more about life through gardening than like than anything in school. I said because I can learn um, how certain vegetables grow. Um, everyone's different, but they're the same. You know, some bloom later, some blossom later, how you mm-hmm. water your go- It's so much, it's, un- it's unbelievable. So we do that to teach the kids. And we teach the kids because um, when, you, when you grow food, you actually see life. You're dealing with kids, all they see is death and destruction. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat like that. Like in the core, yeah. especially, that's all, right? That's all you yeah. see, you know. And yeah. 
Yeah, but when they see life, it it does something to them. It it changes their their perspective on life because it's like that's growing right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, one time I went. We we call these trap houses. I went over there, and um, the guys were over there. You know, we have slang. We talk. We out here eating. I said, "You not eating?" You know, I was, I was like, "What do you mean?" So I grabbed some onions out the ground in front of them and start eating it. And they all looked at me. They gave me just a look like, this dude is nuts, man. He's, he's, we must have sold something to him, you know? And I was like, but they started getting it, you know, later on, they're like, wait a second. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, we're doing it. We're selling the wrong product. So this is to help children in, help the, children. in the core. Absolutely. Begin to uh, connect with nature, spirituality, things yep. that are living and alive and growing and yep. with, with purpose and meaning. And Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so what are you gonna what are you gonna do for us here? Hmm. Just being video, like visually. <laughs> yes. Dang, because I got one I just wrote that's pretty awesome. But some people will listen only. Some people will listen and watch. No, I depends. don't like to to read, but I'll have to do this one because it's so fresh. But I think it's a good one if I could do one. That's all right. Yeah. What's it? Let me see. It's called oh. Oceans. Oceans. Okay. Yeah. Let me see here. You'll hear that one coming out soon. Yeah. Your newest album is is what? Educate. Educated ignorance. All right. Yeah, definitely. Because okay. I'm educated, but I'm ignorant, just like everyone. But I'm also going to educate us on our own ignorance at the same time. So, oceans. Blue skies reflecting off the ocean. Coasting through life. Puffing while I'm floating. Above all the commotion. Soaring like an albatross, but any moment can dive beyond your average thoughts. Sit back and watch. I can teach you how to fish, but skimming the surface, you only swallow spit. The shallow-minded lack purpose and don't know how to swim because their fear of immersion is what they're drowning in. Heart-pounding wind, they ain't sound within. Drowning in doubt, you know how loud that is? Puffing on clouds of piff, getting lost in space. Trying to find yourself, but can't recall the thoughts erased. An unconscious state of mind, call it misery. We all been led to take it for granted, digitally. Lyrically, they've been pencil whipping this industry. My fingers bleed for the digits my N-words didn't see. Making profits off ghosts, writing our history. Colonizing our minds to let the trigger squeeze. Trying to be number one, don't let them finger me. Redefine what it means to lift a finger. We lend a helping hand, even on bended knee. They want to cap a nick for anti-Semitic speech, but act as if cannons ain't how they measure me. Like a timpani, watch me drum up emotions. Pulling strings like symphonies with the notes I'm composing. Algorithmically, no, my flow like the ocean. Gentle and serene, tumultuous and ferocious. Draw a line in the sand to set up the boundaries. If you ain't righteous within, won't get it out of me. Lived a life full of sin, but angels surround me. Taught me how to win when the devil tried to reroute me. I know the path less traveled. That's why they found me. Footprints in the sand, life lessons and steps to ground me. Look up to the clouds, we so above, so below. You can't defeat me if you don't come from the soul. Lace you a game, show you a new balance. Barefoot through terrain, that bruised fabric. Going against the grain and pain, a smooth callus. Proving old mind frames change through new habits. Who knew a palace could start as a sandcastle? Just imagine the thoughts and plans that outlast you. You have to. Be the first. Break the cycle. I know it hurts, them waves crashing inside you. Ripping apart the people and things you're tied to. That water is vital just like the sky's blue. Don't need to cry, you can use your inner voice. It speaks volumes as you move through this liquid void. Ocean. 
Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Darrison, for joining us. I got to work and, on my interviewing. And uh, we really appreciate it, everybody. Uh, join us next time. We're glad you joined in. And uh, that's all for Spirituality Adventures on this episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to visit our support page at www.spiritualityadventures.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it and leave a comment. Thanks again. Have a great day. Harvey Media Production.